Adventures in time and space told in future tense. All radio is dead. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Look, there comes one of them now. Good evening. My name's Kyle. I'm Brad. And risen from the coffin, we are the Nosferadudes. Welcome back to another Drop Dead Fantastic episode. This will be our first edition of a Crossfire episode. Right. So this is this is our we had our top twenty episode uh, last time, and um, basically we found that, that there are a few points of contention that we might just need, a couple <laughs> that we might need to argue our way through. Right. Might as well do it on the podcast, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's more fun that way. Let right. let people hear our pain. <laughs> right. <laughs> so let them. Let them hear me yell at you. <laughs> so for our first Crossfire episode, uh, th- this all branched out of um, the fact that on my top 20 list, I listed... Oh, God. <laughs> I can't... You're going to say it out loud. I listed Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3 above... A, a, a distance above. <laughs> like Quite a distance. How far? Let me go. Tell let me, me go how far. back. Let me go back and go look back. at my. Yep, please do. At my notes. We'll wait. Here. Yep. I had uh, Nightmare on Elm Street uh, Part One, the 1984 Nightmare on Elm Street, at 14. Wow. And then I had. Wow. Uh, <laughs> and then I had Nightmare on Elm Street Part Three at number seven. So literally half the distance to the goal. <laughs> right, let me let me bring up my notes here <laughs> yeah so so that 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 uh that grinded brad's gears <laughs> and uh, you know what grinds my gears <laughs> and so uh we decided we should have a, a discussion a friendly a friendly discussion as yep. to uh our opinions Mm-hmm. And we're going to argue our opinions and, mm-hmm. and try and, uh, if not convince one another, maybe at least convince the listening audience that one of us is right. <laughs> I want to make one thing perfectly clear, crystal clear. I love <laughs> A Nightmare on Elm Street 3, okay? This is not a movie I dislike. Yeah, we're not saying like I, one sucks and the other is fantastic. I, I absolutely love this movie. I watch it all the time. I have it just behind the original, so I am not anti Nightmare on Elm Street 3. <laughs> I just think that the fact that you have it over the original is ridiculous. Yeah, Brad, why do you hate it? <laughs> <laughs> why do you hate it so much? I hate it. <laughs> Doesn't have Tom Atkins in it. Why do you hate it? <laughs> yeah. Fucking yeah, hater. Yeah, it's not Season of the Witch. Why do you hate it? It's not Season of the Witch. <laughs> So um, I thought I thought we I would let uh, Brad I would let you start off. Um, you can you can start out with your your sort of opening 
uh, arguments. You can tell us why Nightmare on Elm Street Part 1 is better than Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3, and then tell us why you're wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, jeez. Well, um, first of all, the original is has the better director. Yes. <laughs> I was waiting for your response to that because that's <laughs> obvious. You should have been like, well, yeah, obviously. Well, you know, there's something to be said for the fact that, yes, Wes Craven is uh, ostensibly a better director than Chuck Russell. Um, however, part of the reason why uh, I feel that Night Run on Street Part 3 is better is the fact that they they produced a, a better uh, story, a better cohesive film, and they did that by moving away from mm. what Wes Craven wanted to do. Wes Craven... You know, he actually penned the script originally, and they basically ended up having to get rid of that. They didn't want to do what he wanted to do with it, and they went in a different direction because they knew that they had to outdo the first two films. Right. Um, I'm going to end this right here. Okay. (laughs) You know what this, this is, Okay. This is Halloween four versus Halloween. No, right? I, I don't. Nightmare I don't on Elm Street versus. Yep, it's the it's the beloved sequel that everybody loves. Everybody loves that. We're not the only ones that love a Nightmare on Elm Street three. Everybody knows it's a great sequel, right? All the horror fans know it's a great sequel. So you know, um, I, I I don't see I. I love Halloween for where I to the point where I had it number two on my top 20. This is the same thing. This is the exact same thing. The director, Wes Craven, the, the director of Halloween, John Carpenter, superior horror movie directors, right? Legendary. And then these other directors that made a really cool follow up, a really cool sequel. Really cool, but not. It's really cool. <laughs> it's really cool, and I love it. And 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 again, I I say it all the time how much I love Halloween four, but it's not as good. I would never say it's better than Halloween. No, and I I and, would and, and, I would and never it's say the same that thing Halloween here. As much as you Halloween. love, but it. Oh, <laughs> but as much as we love this beloved sequel, Nightmare on Elm Street three. It's not as good as Wes Craven's original Nightmare on Elm Street. It just isn't. Brad, you and I'll ignorant go down, slut. I'll, oh, my God. Here we go. <laughs> now, here's, a, here's uh, the thing. So, so when you go back into, you know, the making of these, these films, Wes Craven, you know, they had a critical failure with part two. It made money because everybody wanted to go see the sequel. Your beloved part two. The sequel to Nightmare on Elm Street. Which is now your favorite Nightmare on Elm Street. No, that's not true. Nightmare Mm -hmm. on Elm Street part three is. (laughs) I'm surprised we're not having that argument. No, Nightmare on Elm Street part two, uh, it made money at the box office because everybody wanted wanted to come see the, the sequel to Nightmare on Elm Street. 
but it was a critical failure. People went and they spent their money and they left the theater going, oh, what was that? Like, what did I see? Mm -hmm. And so New Line, when it came to, okay, we're either going to be a trilogy or we're going to be a franchise. And Bob Shea was like, I want to have a franchise really bad. <laughs> and so they were like, okay, part three has to blow the fucking doors off. Like we need to make this the best possible sequel that we can make. And they initially, Bob Shea was like, well, I got to give it to Wes. Like I got to get Wes on board with this and I got to yep. have him, you but know, this wasn't Wes's script. Well, no, they changed, no, they changed because so much of this because Wes's script was yep. kind of two things. The first thing it was, was new nightmare. He wanted to go like meta with it right away back then. Awesome. Probably well, wouldn't have worked. Would do you well hold on. Do you think that that, that would have worked back then in nineteen eighty seven? No, I like I totally this is a, t a time when I totally agree with Bob Shea. I thought that would have been like a bridge too far for the audience right. back then. I think you needed yeah. to have the intervening years of the legend of Freddy Krueger and Nightmare on Elm Street and all that stuff build and build and build. And then you needed to have Scream to really set the stage for movies like that. You know, like you needed to have, it was during that time period when... Well, New Nightmare came out before Scream. Right, but it was during that time period when Meta was becoming the thing. But wasn't that Wes Craven that kind of almost started that with New Nightmare? Because that was 1994, and that was two years before Scream. Well, yeah, but that's what I'm saying, is like we had gotten to a point in the mid-90s where okay, we get it. Like, we get all this stuff. We get, you know, that's... No, I know what you're saying. Yeah. That's why yeah. Halloween Resurrection, which we love to shit on, Halloween <laughs> Resurrection tried to go for, like, what was kind of in at the time. Like, well, let's go a little different. Let's do it like it's a internet reality show and they're they're coming in to explore the Myers house. And, all, and it right. wasn't, like, their kind of problem was it wasn't meta enough. It didn't have enough intelligence behind it. You know, like and, where, and which, no I, which I will give to Wes Craven. I mean, he's infamously called the professor, you know, because he like way like and uh, I love it, but he way overthinks, it. <laughs> the, the, you know, the but the, then you the but, stuff in his but, movies. But he does that. But then you get products like A Nightmare on Elm Street and you get Scream. You get those things. You know what I mean? Because of his genius. True. True, but so we get to part three. Bob Shea's like, it's got to be big. They go to Wes, and Wes's script, it was half New Nightmare. But then the other part of it, which like multiple people have commented on, is, and this is an odd thing for somebody in the horror movie business to say, they were like, it was like really vulgar. It was like really, like he went like really dark with it. He went like way, like there's there's a, a line that I saw a shot of from like Wes Craven's script where, you know, Kincaid is having, you know, an altercation with Freddy. And I don't know if there, I, I didn't get the context per se, if there were like overtones that like Kincaid was like afraid of being like raped or something. But like Freddy Krueger literally has a line where he says, Kincaid, your asshole is mine. <laughs> and that was Wes Craven <laughs> wrote that. Oh, well, hey, listen. You know. 
So when they read his script, uh, Bob Shea and all and other people within New Line um, on the production staff were like, Ooh, I don't think this is gonna like mm. it's it's good. Obviously, Wes, you know, he writes good scripts, but it's like, Ooh, I don't know, I don't think this is gonna really work. And so that's when they get Chuck Russell coming in, and Chuck Russell has a, a different pitch, and his pitch is, well, you know. Like Freddie, you have like these these dark, silent killers. You you know you have Jason, you have Michael Myers. Like Freddie should be like talk. Like Freddie can speak, so it's like he should be talking and taunting, and we have room to work in like a dark humor. Like because Robert England already had like his own dark humor, like on set when he would be Freddie, and it's like why don't we like let Robert, that was Chuck Russell's thing. Why don't we let Robert do Robert? And why don't we let Freddy be this larger-than-life character that insults you and taunts you and does all this stuff? You know, sweetening up the kills and then, you know, and then dropping, and yes, dropping the one-liners when he's finally killing you and things like that. Mm. And so the reason... Uh. The one of the big reasons why I say that three is better is because that movie, unlike one and two, and if Wes Craven had helmed it, it would have been more of the same, if not a little darker. But Chuck Russell was like, he creates the Freddy that we get then today when people, when you talk about Freddy and you talk about welcome to prime time, bitch. That's Chuck Russell did that. Yeah, but that didn't that didn't continue to work. So that worked for three, and then worked for four, and then by five, people started to get tired of it. You know, it started to become more of a joke. He started becoming too much of a joke. Like by the time Freddy's Dead comes around, it's a, it's he's just not you know as scary as he was in the first few. You know what I mean? Like he's still even in three and four, even though he's making the jokes, he's still. I mean, four, he's a little goofier. Like, he gets goofier, like, every movie. But by three, he's making the jokes, but he's still, like, you know, he's still scary. Oh, he's, yeah, he's still scary. He's still... But he's but, still but he's a... not in Freddy's Dead, and he's not in Five, and he's not, well, that's... you know, really... And yeah, that, but... because because of that dark humor stuff, like, because it, it just... The jokes had to get better, and then he had to put sunglasses on, and then he's... <laughs> You know, and there's like a the 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 shark glove is going by, and you know, like, you get all right, and 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 he yeah. Just, but what's he your just, favorite like, line? And, and, what's your favorite Fred, line from your favorite? Oh, the yeah, the don't meatballs. be a meatball. Yeah. Oh, meatball. <laughs> um, but like in in Freddy's Dead, he's he's controlling one of the uh, teenagers using the the power glove, the Nintendo power glove, and the you know, he's like. He's like, oh, now we're playing with power. And it's like, ah, oh, come on, this is dumb. Like, this is not. Yes, this but, is no longer. This is a shell of it. But that. But so you can I say you can say that uh, my argument would be that's what later directors and writers did with that. But in three, but Chuck, three set the stage for it. Three might have set the stage for it, but three also he opened the floodgates for it, and that, yes. and then, and then the the whole franchise became a joke. So if, if, well, if you talk to if you talk to the fans of the franchise, 
Mm-hmm. Like, yes, audiences over time, they may have they may have started to not appreciate the humor as much. They may have then eventually wanted something darker and more meta, and that's what they got with New Nightmare. But when you talk... Which was fantastic. When you talk Absolutely about fans fantastic. of and the franchise... And a breath of fresh air in the franchise. When you talk about fans of the franchise, that three the humor that 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 brought in those in those few years there between three to four people fucking ate that up they fucking loved they, it they absolutely did which spawned freddy's nightmares and stuff like that i'm getting i get that but what i'm saying is it was short term so nightmare on Elm street four came out a year later it was 87 for three and then it was 88 for four and then I think 89 for five, like it was boom, 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 boom. So that you had that three year yeah, time, the, dr- span. the dream trilogy, you had that. So you had that. Well, yeah. So you had that three year time span where, uh, he skyrocketed and then came kind of came back down again. You yeah. know what I mean? I mean, by then he was already like, you know, horror royalty or whatever you want to call it along with Jason and Michael, but he, uh, but, but, in that short period of time, he the the franchise kind of really took a nosedive. Yeah, but and, that- and 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 that the the reasoning behind that, but the main the main reason was because of that stupid humor that was fine for a short period of time, but then just got well, way here, crazier and way more. Well, yeah. Okay. Here's the thing. So you, you get to yep. you get to most most of the younger fans, most of them the more modern fans, unlike crusty mummies like us, their kind of exposure to Freddy and Jason would be like Freddy versus Jason. You know, that's your Dracula versus Frankenstein. So what are we talking about here as far as what makes a better movie? Are we talking about scary or are we talking about just what made the most money and sold the most merchandise? Because if you're if you're talking about that, then yeah, okay, three. No, I'm talking but about if you're I'm talking, talking about, about the, what's the best movie. I'm talking it, about the quality of the filmmaking. Okay. <laughs> well, number one, it's a horror movie, right? It's a it's a horror movie. Yeah. Right? These, these are not horror comedies, right? Correct? Correct, and but that's the thing is okay, we're talking but about that's three. What they became. Didn't we're talking uh, become. We're talking about three. But your man that directed three is responsible <laughs> for what happened afterwards. We're talking about three, and in three, that yep. is some scary shit that he does. Well, I have while plenty of being stuff somewhat humorous. Yeah, you okay. know, talk about talk about uh, and and the and the concepts that they're dealing with are. Even a little again, I love this movie, by the way. Even a little deeper than what Wes Craven was getting into in one. I mean, it, the idea of setting it in this hospital where it's these like borderline troubled kids, or what they think are borderline troubled kids, when really what's really going on is they're being terrorized by Freddy. But look mm-hmm. at what you've got. You've got a kid in a wheelchair. He's in the wheelchair because he tried to throw himself off a roof because he couldn't take the dreams anymore. Yep. You've got people who have slit their wrists. You've got. Who I have a, a, to to go back to the to the wheel, the kid. Uh, what's his name in the movie? Do you uh, remember? What is, what is his name? Oh shit! Um, damn it! I just remember him as like the wizard master. Well, okay, fine. Yeah, call him the wizard master. But I have a huge problem with the wizard master because. <laughs> Well, so 
he had like probably the best chance for the coolest of the of the dream warriors right yes. like yes because he got the cloak and he has the the spells he's, right he's and eldritch he's shooting blasts. stuff yeah out of his <laughs> hands so he could have been the coolest one but what happens <laughs> hey when you take a kid in a what wheelchair no, 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 and no, you no, give no, him no, the no, ability no, to walk and run again <laughs> what are you gonna expect him to stand still <laughs> He ain't gonna stand still. I can run, I can run! Ah, shit! Ready! <laughs> I'm, I'm running. It was great while it lasted! I was running. Uh. <laughs> but, but so you got that. You got you got dr- the, uh, the character of Taryn. You know, she's drug abuse. She's like shooting up to keep herself awake so she doesn't have to go to sleep. But these dream warriors, my point is, is that these dream warriors weren't very good warriors because they all died immediately. Well, that's true. But I mean, Johnny Depp got sucked through a bed. He lasted until the end of the movie. (laughs) Taryn and he literally got pureed. Kincaid and Joey made it. Johnny Depp literally got pureed. (laughs) So again, again, I I feel like I keep having to say this because I'm on the other side. I don't know if I'm Tucker Carlson or you're Tucker Carlson, but um, I want to reiterate that I do really, really like this. Movie. Oh, and that's the thing, and I, I love, okay. I love the first one. It's just yeah. when I'm when I'm looking at the the overall filmmaking, the concepts that are being used, and yes, I know there's a large gap in uh, time frame and budget. You know, I know that they had the budget and special effects had come a long way. But the, oh, let's get into the special but effects. But the types of movie, stuff yeah. that they're doing mm. is mm. like, yes, Wes Craven did a few innovative things and he was doing it with the money that he had that Bob Shea was able to give him. But the stuff that the team on Halloween 3 was doing was like amazingly shocking, scary shit. Like a kid being puppeteered by the fucking veins and arteries that have been pulled out of his arms and legs. You know, and then you have um, when he goes to kill Taryn with the now given. Yes, he pulls up the syringe fingers, but the fucking little sucking mouths, her track marks that are little like, you know, yeah, yeah. And then the fucking Freddy worm that tries to eat Patricia Arquette. Like that was again awesome. Yes. All true. None of this is like none of what you're saying is wrong. I'm not saying that. But so you agree I with me? It's a better film. No, can no. Were you trying to end this thing early? You got somewhere to be. Um, sit back down. Can I? Yeah, sit down. I'm not finished. Um. Number one note. Uh, the Amanda Kruger ghost storyline is kind of dumb. Let me hear you, Rob Zombie haters who hate the uh, <laughs> ghost mom story in uh, Halloween 2. Let me hear you because this is the same thing. Here's Amanda Kruger ghost storyline. Amanda Kruger yep. sets Freddy up to be <sighs> legendary. Because uh, I with... knew you were going to say that. I knew it. you were going to like, well, this is how they tell the lore. This because... Is be, well, yeah, that's a big deal. You got to fur- if you further the lore. Number two didn't further the lore. Number three expanded on the lore, and that's it's lazy. 
that's how we get Freddy, who has the very, very famous nickname, the, the bastard son of a hundred maniacs. A thousand maniacs. A hundred and three. I don't think so. Yeah. I think I just rewatched it. I just, I'm watching it right now. She says a hundred. Okay. All right. Maybe if you listen to Amanda Kruger <gasps> instead oh of God. judging Amanda Kruger. <laughs> you better be right. Hashtag cancel. If you're wrong, because <laughs> if, if you're wrong, I'm going to nail you for she that. She says the line, the bastard right. son of a hundred maniacs. Over Christmas. Next- they raped her. That's how heavy this movie is, Brad. They raped her over Christmas. <laughs> It's still a dumb storyline. Jesus' birthday. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, so I I didn't like that about the movie. I re- I never did. I never liked the Amanda Kruger thing. I, I It was always the down part of the movie for me. Like, every time she showed up, I'm like, oh, here we go. Here's more <laughs> exposition for us. Here's more story. You know, whatever. And the only way you can kill him is by burying his bones in sacred ground. It's just your, it's just your natural Irish Protestant hatred for Catholics. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's it. Yep. <laughs> um. No. Obviously, this is a great movie. Heather Leggenkamp is awesome. Freddie's great. The kills are inventive, but are they scary? Are they scary? Bettina. So 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 we're doing a comparison, right? Compared to, and I had a note. Under Nightmare One, I was like, I was, I was hoping I was going to get this much out of it. My list for Nightmare One is a lot longer than my list for Nightmare Three. The Tina kill is really awesome. Well, the t- the t- I mean, the, the Tina, Tina kill, kill might be, and I'll say it, the Tina kill might be one of the most, one of the greatest kills in horror history. Well, and and I, what I was just about to say is, yes, take taken. On its own, that scene, her kill, that is probably the best. Kill. Her screaming the entire time yeah. she's like getting dragged up the wall. Yeah, that that is. Oh that, my god, that kill is probably the best of actually the entire franchise. Is her kill is probably the best, but does that make the movie that it's in the best one? No, because we can talk about kills from. Oh no, other no, no! Franchises. I have more. I have more. That's just one thing. No, 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 no! I am not basing all of this on the Tina kill. I mean, Rod gets killed I'm by not like basing uh, my argument. a blanket snake. <laughs> that was Freddy getting into the jail cell <laughs> and killing him with a okay. blanket. <laughs> um, Johnny Depp. <laughs> all right good night everyone um thank you for listening uh next week what are we doing next week kyle what are we doing on the next show listen listen johnny, i ended this johnny depp might he at the up, time up, up, at the time up. he wasn't you know quote unquote johnny depp this is his first film yep and he's got the <sighs> belly shirt <laughs> So awesome. <laughs> and really the and the reason they picked Johnny Depp, he wasn't actually like Wes Craven's first choice. They picked Johnny Depp because Wes Craven's like daughters were like, You gotta pick Johnny Depp. Right, 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 right. <laughs> Wes right. Craven was gonna and, go with somebody else. 
And they were absolutely correct. <laughs> Holy moly. Like, it's weird now because to lo- I know he's 60, but, like, it looks like, and I hope he's, well, he'll never listen to this, but, <laughs> <laughs> like, brush your teeth, right? Just brush your teeth, man. Come on. But so here's my thing. Like, so Tina's kill is great. And I mean, the blood gushing out of the bed is an amazing, effective visual. But when you talk about what, like, okay, he's basically, he's basically doing some stuff that, you know, yes. Okay. Her going up the ceiling is amazing and inventive. The blood gushing but for the most part, you have like two kind of bright spots in the movie. And I no, I have more. <laughs> I have more bright but spots. Every single kill in the third movie is interesting and inventive. Every it's single a, okay. one. Okay. 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 Yeah, okay. Fine. Inventive and creative. I'll give that to you because yes. Wes Craven did not have Freddy's arms and head coming out of a TV and grabbing a girl and smashing her head into the screen. I'll give you that. No, he, he, instead but, he had, he had as great stretch as arm strong is. puppet arms, Freddy. <laughs> well, he was toying with, he was toying with Tina. <laughs> yeah. But, but the, the, the arms, like even the, his own cinematographer, when he yeah. saw them puppeteering those arms in that alleyway shot, his cinematographer was like, oh, this looks like shit. <laughs> okay, okay, fine. One bad shot in the movie. Because there's really great shots. The legendary shot in the bathtub. That's shown every time, every special that counts down, like horror movies or whatever, it does a special on or a documentary on Nightmare on Elm Street, or Nightmare on Elm Street is mentioned in any way, and there's a clip involved, the first shot is the glove coming up from the bathtub, from the water from the bathtub, while she's, like, like falling asleep. Yeah, true, yeah. I mean, When, when the glove comes up between your legs. That is a great shot. Yeah, Wes, like, Wes Craven is a is a great filmmaker. You know, and, he's, he's, oh, okay. he sets up, yeah. He, yeah, he's got some good shots that he sets up. I love the music. I love the music in the first one. Like, I really do. And I don't mean just like the, op- like, dun, 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 dun. like, I don't like, not the, like the main theme. I mean, just all the, the score, like the, just the, all the, all the music during the, all the action and everything. I, I, it's, it's really, really good. It's better all than. All right. You're going to talk about music. Fucking <sighs> Dokken. Talking. Yeah, I knew you were gonna go talking. Dream yep. Warriors. <laughs> Not as great of a song as you think, but there's a ton of. I my note in here is that there's better shots. It's better. It's there's just better direction in in the first one than I think in the third one. I just think the shots are more clever. I think you know it's it's just it's just a better quality directing you know, effort from Wes Craven as opposed to the other guy. I just think that there's more talent and more uh, creative ideas that are coming out of Wes Craven than, than the director of, what's his name? Chuck Russell. Okay. Chuck Russell. No offense to Chuck Russell. Obviously (laughs) again, like the movie. 
Well, now listen, like, okay, we can talk about, you know, the, the iconic shots. And of course, from the first, from any first film, you're going to have shots that are going to be iconic. There's okay. you, know, you Jason, want something co- else? Jason coming up out of the water. Sure. There's, you yep. know, Michael Fine. Myers standing behind the hedge. I you anticipated know, this. You're going to yep. have iconic shots, but sure. in three, you've, you've got some shots that are still amazing. They may not have become as iconic, but when Kincaid is sitting in the quiet room, which is basically just their cute little name for the padded cell. And, and he's, he's singing, singing to and himself. And he's singing to himself. And the long, slow push in. And when they show him through the window and everything like that, that's an effective shot. Kincaid's sitting there, eyes wide open, looking like completely manic because that's that's his defense against Freddy is just to get himself so crazy that he, you know, he's just sitting there, just staring at the wall, just singing this little song to himself to stay awake. Then when uh, Nan- when uh, Patricia Arquette's character, Kristen, pulls Nancy into her dream for the first time, and the shot of uh, Heather Langenkamp, she like kind of wakes up almost for a second and then falls through the chair that she's I'm I'm at that part in. now. She's yeah. She puts her uh, yeah, and she falls straight through the chair and disappears. You know, those are amazing shots. uh, Yeah, yeah, yes. I don't think they're as good as everybody remembers. Everybody remembers when they all are talking about their dream powers, and when Taryn turns around and she's like, "In my dreams." I'm beautiful, and she's got the mohawk. She's got the studded leather, and gets the two switchblades out. That's iconic. Okay, fine. We can go, you know, <laughs> whatever you do, don't fall asleep. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All well, right. Welcome to prime time, bitch. <laughs> uh, uh, screw your pass. We just talked about it. Right. I'm beautiful and bad. <laughs> No, no, no. That oh, come on. That's people quote that all the time. Not as much as the others. <laughs> Not as much. Not as much. Not as much as the others. Um, but in the first one, so for the original, I had down that Wes Craven presents Nancy as the grown up in the room, even when- though she's she even though she's a teenager. And they and and they kind of build it so like it starts out with Glenn and them not having sex right they're here for Tina we're here for Tina now we're not doing it we're here to just be supportive of Tina and that's it that's all we're doing and she's not off doing what Tina's doing um, and then later on she tries to help Rod like she's starting to take take charge and. She's listening to Rod. She visits him in the jail. She wants to hear his side of the story. She like she she talks to him. Uh, she doesn't judge him right away, and he tells her all about his dreams. And now she she knows. So, um, and then she they show her taking care of her drunk mother. Right? It's just her and her mom in the house. And who's the grown up in the house? It's really her. It's really Nancy because her mom has just gone off the deep end drinking loads of vodka i think was the the drink of choice um and so nancy had to grow up early and because of all the things that she's been through she is better 
equipped to handle Freddy than Tina, Rod, or Glenn. Like she is, and that's how Wes Craven presents her as the strong one. Uh, John Carpenter kind of does it, you know, little bit, little bit by little bit in in Halloween. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, but Wes Craven really builds her her story that way by showing, you know, the the drunk mom and her trying to believe, you know, Rod and her not having sex with with Glenn, you know, and just trying to be the grown up in the room. And so she's the one who's the mature one, and she can handle Freddie. And I'm and he does all of what? Yeah, what? what? I'm so glad you brought this up. Oh no. <laughs> Because, yes, Wes Craven does present mm. Nancy. And, and basically, it was, a, it was a theme he was trying to present of uh, parents uh, not being connected enough uh, with their kids. And, and he was very wrapped up in the sins of the father, that the sins of the parents get visited on the kids. And the kids have right. to shoulder the responsibility. And he wanted to really highlight that with the fact that mom has an alcohol problem and, and Nancy has to, has to deal with that and, and take care of her. And dad is distant. You know, he loves her, but it's like, he doesn't come around a lot. She's always having to go see him. You know, well, he's always working. That's how they kind yeah. of present it. Like yeah. he's, he's there late. Cause when they go to visit Glenn or uh, Rod, it's late, really late at night right. and he's, he's working. So, and then Chuck Russell and Frank Darabond take that the step further. And they say, guess what, kids? It's not just your parents. It's adults. It's all adults. It's adult institutions. None of them are really built for you. They're built to handle you. They're built to keep you in your little box and keep you from uh, expressing yourself or being yourself. And they're actually not even really there to protect you. They're there to make Adults feel like they're doing something good for you. And so what they do then is they set it like there was a thing going on at the time at the time period with these um, these like facilities and these programs, the troubled teen industry. And that's what that hospital really is like that hospital isn't like a regular hospital. That hospital is set up. And, and Chuck Russell and Frank Darabond have, have talked about the fact that that hospital is literally like a special place where parents who have like borderline teens, quote unquote, send them to get better because like, I don't have time to deal with this. I can't deal mm. with this crazy stuff anymore. And they send them to this hospital. It's a private hospital. You know, it's, it's for uh, wealthier parents. Like that's the thing, like, uh, Kristen, Patricia Arquette's mom, her, yep. you listen to her dialogue in that movie and the way that she uh, talks to the hospital staff and uh, she's saying like, I, I just can't deal with her. You know, she's always trying to get, uh, get attention and I can't deal with this anymore. And I, I just need, I need you to fix her. I need you to just fix her. And that's, the commentary they're making. So Wes Craven, yes, he's making a commentary on, you know, parents. I and... love how just dismissive you are. <laughs> like you're just dismissive of the whole thing. Like, well, you, he's, you... he's, he's starting with like, you know, kind of the basic, the basic, uh, elements. But what, what then Chuck Russell and Frank Darabont do is they expand it and they make it about deeper subjects. 
the movie, if you if you really watch it, the movie is even about satanic panic. It's even about the fact that here's all these adults thinking that these these kids are just destructive. These kids are just into you know it's all about drugs it's all about sex like the doctor even in one of their sessions you know is like this is just guilt for all the bad things you do you know <laughs> that's that's this Wes is Craven this is still goes he's still this he's is the still guilt going working the out for your dreams the first one it's he's, either, he's 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 he glenn's glenn's parents take the phone off the hook um, John Saxon's character doesn't believe Nancy at all. As she, uh, oh yeah, Nancy. Yep. Mm, Freddy Krueger. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's coming to get you. Oh yeah. I'll be there to, I'll be there to, to, to take him out when you bring him out of your dream. Yeah. Yeah. So he, there, you know, yes, they expand that idea, but like Wes Craven had that already in Nightmare on Elm Street. Well, so he, 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 had didn't, the, he the, didn't have, he didn't have the issue with, Troubled teens getting sent away to programs and camps. No, and but hospitals. he had the idea. He had the the idea of the dismissive adults. Yeah, and that's right. yes, that's and that's something that that comes through thematically. But I'm talking about how expansive the subtext is. And yes, Wes Craven is a genius. He works in a lot of stuff, but he's not dealing with the same core cultural issues that Chuck Russell and Frank Darabont are dealing with. And even to the point, like I said, the satanic panic stuff, that's why the wizard master is into D&D. Because at the time, fucking parents were thinking Dungeons and Dragons was a path to satanic worship. They're, they're literally dropping all these breadcrumbs for you to, to see that like this isn't just about your parents, guys. This is actually all adults. The adults don't get you. They're afraid of you. They want to just subdue you and get you to submit. And the problem is that's actually what's killing you. That's actually what's driving you to do drugs. That's what's actually driving you to commit suicide. That's what's driving you to self-harm. That's what's creating a fear state that makes it so you can't speak. You know, you're too afraid to even open your mouth because the structures, the systems, the institutions that are built by not just your parents, but by adults can't actually handle dealing, really dealing with your problems. They don't want you to have problems because that means that they actually have to have responsibility and take care of you. They'd rather be fucking the boyfriend they brought home downstairs who wants to know where the bourbon is, you know. That's what your parents want to be doing. They didn't really want you. They don't really love you. They don't really want to help you deal with the issues that teens have to deal with. And, yeah, but that's that's I mean that's Kristen's mom. And by just well that's but there but there's 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 relations to all of that. I mean there's a reason the kid threw himself off a roof and gets paralyzed. There's a reason mm-hmm. they're cutting their wrists or they're burning that's, them, burning that's, themselves that's the with cigarettes. That's the parents being dismissive. Well, not not just dismissive. That's like critically, and, and, fatally and going dismissive. That's well, not sure. that's not just Nancy's dad fatally, saying. That's not just Nancy. Wait, wait. Nancy's that, mom put bars on the house that and is trapped not, her in the house when the house is on fire and she couldn't get out, so she's screaming across the street. Okay, you got you got the mom. Put, that's not Nancy's dad <laughs> just saying. All right, stop this. Freddy's dead. Freddy Krueger is dead. That's it. 
You're talking about kids who are having to burn themselves with cigarettes. You're talking about self-harm. You're talking about all these big subjects. I'm probably going to have to put uh, a disclaimer at the (laughs) beginning of the episode because of all the heavy shit that we're talking about. Okay. But that's what they're dealing with in three. Yeah, I mean, just by putting them in, putting, yeah, the whole concept of putting them in a you know, a psych ward. Again, I like the movie. It's a good storyline. I'm not sedate you. Let's, we just want to sedate you and keep you quiet. And, and, and meanwhile, the kids are saying, yeah, but that's, what's actually going to kill us. And they're like, no, no, you just need a good night's sleep. You just need a good night's sleep. And that good night's sleep is a metaphor for what the, all of the adults across the United States we're looking to really do to their kids at the time. Like, hey, you know what? Just just be cute and do, you know, kid stuff. Be be teens like we were back in the good old 50s, you know? Like, why can't you just be simple like that? And meanwhile, not realizing, well, we don't live in a simple time anymore. And the world is actually kind of scary. And teens are having to deal with it. And they need they need your help. They need your assistance. They don't need to sure. just be told to, They you need know, you to believe them. Right. Huh? They need you to believe them. And by trying to just sedate them and keep them quiet... That's what's actually going to get him murdered. Plus Lawrence Fishburne. Agreed. Yes. No. It's a- <laughs> <laughs> uh, All that Fishburne. plus no, Lawrence he's Fishburne. Great. Yeah, of course, Lawrence Fishburne. But again, Johnny, I, hey, listen, I have a soft spot for Johnny Depp. What can I say? Um, and I know you don't believe just- me, but Nancy is way hotter in three than she is in one. <laughs> I well, she's a little older. I think in it's it's hard because she's in one. She's I don't know. She's playing a, a high school. I mean, she's well. It's like, supposed to be the girl next door, kid. Wes Craven. You know, literally one. Well, yeah, she's wearing a sweater. She's wearing a sweater, all buttoned idea. up, and yeah, she's wearing khakis. You know, and loafers. You know, she's. But so, I don't know. Some uh, about a little makeup, the streak in the hair. That that's up a notch. <laughs> and and again, I appreciate all of what you said, and you know, I, I I get that. But all in all, when it came, comes down to it, I find a, the original scarier. Like I find that more of a horror, like scary movie, almost like. And don't don't I know you're gonna jump all over this because it's a it's a so so comparison. But like Evil Dead and Evil Dead Two, right? Like so, the comedy starts to creep in, yeah. And so you're going, you're you're pulling a little bit away from from being scared. So like more in this movie, great storyline, really deep stuff, all of what you said. But that doesn't, um, you know, that that's separate from the fact that the jokes are creeping in now. And where's the fucking bourbon is hilarious. I laugh every single time, but I'm laughing. Right? So I don't laugh at any point in the original uh, movie. So the original movie is, is a horror movie. Wes Craven's not there to make you laugh. Like, he's there to scare you. And that's what he does. And he does a really good job of it. And again, the shots, I feel like, were creative and scary. And the music goes along with the shots. And makes it scarier like he does a good job of using music we talked about how good john carpenter is because john carpenter is actually a musician and i don't think wes craven is you know but they he he really was able to use you know music really well to you know set up some like scary shots and stuff like that and stuff that gets under your skin the the little um 
I I don't even know how to describe the music, but it's it's very creepy and and it, it kind of gets under your skin a little bit. And he does that throughout the movie. So when I'm like, you know, in the mood for like a scary nightmare on Elm Street, I'm going to either the original or new nightmare. I'm not going to any of the these are the ones that I'm entertained by three, four, you know, Freddy versus Jason. Those movies are the ones I'm I'm absolutely entertained by and I love, but I'm not I'm not really like creeped out or scared or anything like that. I just think it's funny, like you know, uh, Freddy, let him go. Your wish is my command, and then he like you know he <laughs> lets uh lets Joey go, like he's about to cut him loose and have him fall into that fire pit or whatever. Um, but this is. I mean, it, I'm not saying it's not scary at all, but this is this is that turning point movie, like I was saying earlier. This is that turning point movie where Freddy starts to get a little too jokey, jokey, and you know, it starts it starts this big kind of downhill slide for him. And and well, the original is just so isolated and great, and it's 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 in and of itself, it's it's a scary movie, no matter what kind of came out after it. But, but go well, ahead. well, listen, I don't know about you, mm. <laughs> but every time Nancy's mom gets pulled through that little window in the door, oh, I laugh my fucking it. ass off. <laughs> okay, was that Wes Craven? <laughs> That it's was in, not Wes Craven. That was movie. Bob Shea. It's in that the movie. That was Bob Shea. <laughs> Wes Craven had no control over that. Bob Shea is the producer. He's the one fronting the money. If Bob Shea wants that stupid dummy to come through the window at the end, then that's what he gets. It's in the movie. I don't think Wes Craven. Wes Craven didn't even shoot that scene, right? Wasn't no, he it? did. Bob Shea. He did. Are you sure? They actually they they shot about I think they said about five to seven different versions of the ending because because Wes Craven had a different ending well Wes Craven had it where it was all a dream right like and he saw it more as like if if it was really to happen that this was uh, a dream that was preparing Nancy for what was about to maybe come but Mm -hmm. like literally it was like Dallas it was like she was supposed to walk outside it was all a dream there were friends they get in the car they drive off to school you know, and then uh, the only thing that he was going to have was as they drive off to school, was the little girl's jumping rope, right? Just as like a little like, which would have been perfect, but because everybody gets it, nobody needs nobody needs the dummy through the window, and then the, they the, had. The, I actually kind of liked when the 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 roof comes up on the convertible, and it's the well they, red and green. Stripe. They had a version where the roof yeah. comes up, and when they look back. Glenn is now actually Freddy and he's driving the car. They had a version they mm. shot with that. Um, yeah. They had a version where the car was Freddy. Uh, like they, like the car was going to like talk to them. Like <laughs> yeah. they had, they had like a bunch of different, different versions. And um, that was, that was basically their, uh, that was how they, came to an agreement was, you know, it's like, okay, let's compromise. And so, okay, yes, let's have some kind of big scare or thing at the end. And, you know, when it came down to it, Wes was like, oh, all right. Yeah. Pull her through the door. 
All right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that was another one where the cinematographer was like, you know, he's like, for him, though, he said when he saw it in the movie, he thought it looked a lot better than what he thought it would look like. But on the day, the cinematographer turned to Wes Craven and went, that looks like fucking shit. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And actually, that was that was the the part like where we completely lost Jack. Like Mm. when 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 we had uh, our 14 year old Jack, he sat and watched the movie with me. And when it got to the end and she gets sucked through the door, he goes, a fucking mannequin? <laughs> okay, fair enough. Should we talk about the skeleton with the sword fighting scene? That's that's like right out of Ray Harryhausen. Oh, God, that looked terrible. Jack Ugh. actually said he, wa- he didn't watch the whole movie with me, but he saw that scene when he was coming down through the living room and I was re-watching three. He saw that scene, he goes... Wow, that looks way fucking better than that fucking mannequin. <laughs> he did not. He did You're so. making that shit I swear. Up. Oh my god. I swear to god he did. He goes, "That looks way better than that mannequin did." Sure he did. <laughs> Unbelievable. Okay. Either way, it was terrible. Like it looked really bad. That was the oh, I cringe at that. I hate it every time it comes up in the movie. It's so stupid. And that and that's one of the things. Even though I love I love the first film, I love Wes Craven. I love the the innovative, inventive things that he did. I, you know, Freddie, you know, uh, coming out of the wall like the wall becomes stretchy and he comes out of the wall. That's a great shot. Yep. Mm-hmm. But and yes, he was inhibited by some budgetary things and and some things you know with special effects that they were able to do. You know, when it comes down, if if the if the lanky, stretchy arm thing doesn't, you are working, again. You bring if, that thing up. If, yep. and and I talked about this before. The shot where uh, he's chasing Tina down the alley, then, and it's yep. like this weird little stocky Freddy. It's I like love that weird. I love that because he's more like he's like Goblin Freddy. He's like <laughs> he's like. <laughs> you like Goblin Freddy, but he's more. But he's more of like a. He's more of like a boogeyman. Like he's more of the the boogeyman than the dream demon. Like he's a boogeyman. You know what I mean? Like when he's when he he because he fucks with her. Like he, he and then he comes out from behind the tree and he's like, "Hey, Tina," you know. And then he cuts off his last two fingers on his hand. Well, yeah, you know, and, with, and I and he and he's like he's like fucking with her and he's just like very like he's he's just very mischief uh, mischief mischievous ah. mischievous mischievous whatever <laughs> it's late it's late ladies and gentlemen it's but well even even that like the the kim cutting the two fingers off thing i always felt like and then this is to, completely honest this isn't me just trying to argue like i always felt like that was kind of just like like a weird awkward interjection like oh yeah, we can do this cool thing where we'll have like a fake hand and they'll cut the fingers off and then we'll have green goopy blood pump out of it. And I always just kind of felt like it was like such an awkward little like it, it's like I hey, I don't hey, find look it awkward. At this. <laughs> you know, like it just seems Yeah, he's 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 messing with her. It's the same thing with Michael Myers, and we talk about it all the time. Like, why does he do that stuff? You know, it's Halloween. He's playing pranks. He's setting, he's he's displaying these bodies in certain ways. He's playing, you know, he's taking the grave out of the ground and displaying it on the bed. 
He's doing these different things. Freddy is messing with her. He's having fun with her before he kills her. Also. Like, that's what he's doing. <laughs> also. <laughs> uh, we're not going to settle this by the end the, of this. The, fir- the first film doesn't have Dick Cavett and Zsa Zsa Gabor. <laughs> oh, God. That was funny, though. But oh, that's yeah. the thing. Again, again. That was that was a very comedic, silly scene. Well, yeah, and I mean, they no they... one cares what you fucking think. <laughs> well, no. and the funny part is Dick Cavett got to got to pick who he was going to interview, and he and he picked Jaja because he, he he was like, if anybody, he, he said she's so stupid and so vapid. She's the only one of the people I've ever met as a guest that I would love to see Freddie kill. (laughs) She didn't know that. She thought like, oh, I've gotten cast in a a movie finally again. You know, like I'm back on I'm back on the screen, you know, and also apparently wasn't she wasn't she she was a staple on the talk shows like on the. Yeah, like on the Tonight Show. She was always on the Tonight Show. Yeah, she was she was always on it. So I, I guess Johnny found her yeah, interesting. Yeah, Dick Cavett hated, apparently hated her. <laughs> and, well, and, I don't know. and they said also apparently she didn't she didn't know what really kind of movie it was cuz I guess her rea- like her reaction to the Freddy thing and all that was like totally real. They said she was really like screaming and like wanting to get off the stage <laughs> when he came on. Yeah. Uh not only yeah. that uh the first one there's no titties. There's no. Oh come on! If we're talking about the three Bs, man, like the first one's completely missing it. (laughs) That's true. There are no. That's true. (laughs) Although I am glad that they didn't do what they originally planned, which was they were going to have the nurse not just talk like Freddy. They were actually going to have a mid change into Freddy. Yeah, like a, like a, the Freddy head, but she's on the body of her. Yeah, so she's got these like great tits and like a Freddy head, and you're like, I don't know whether to like touch myself or. I've got, I've got a very confused boner. Right I'm now. very confused. Right? <laughs> yeah, um, sure, but no, yeah. that makes sense. No, okay, I'll give that. I'll give. I'll give that to you. <laughs> And and not only that, it does it, it establishes one of the one of the because the, there's there's the rules and then there's the way you can bend the rules. You know, Wes Craven established some rules, and then you know some of the later films, especially three, established other rules. And one of the things that three established that really was able to expand the franchise allowed it's kind of set it up to do more things was the idea that in the first one and the second one, it's like this idea like, Oh, it's like really more about like Elm street and the suburban area. And like, that's where he attacks and that's where he can get you. But then when you get to three, it says, okay, there's still the Elm Street kids. Maybe these kids were like babies when this all happened, but he can get you anywhere. You don't have to be still, li- you know, living on Elm Street or safe in your bed at home or whatever. He can get you anywhere you sleep. 
you know, and then that set it up for future expansions of that. If we had done kind of what Wes Craven was talking about, it would have gone straight from, okay, like, here's him on Elm Street, you know, killing these kids on, you know, from Elm Street, and then, oh, it's meta, and he's in the real world. <laughs> like, it would have been, it would have been too giant of a leap. But three sets that stage for, you know, he can get you anywhere you sleep. But Wes Craven didn't, that, that, that got built on for, because of two. So if two went anywhere, um, we wouldn't be, we wouldn't be, you wouldn't be making that point. So like if two hadn't made it take place in the same house, you know what I mean? But that was that story. Wes Craven didn't really have a chance to like expand it out to where they expanded it in three. They had to start somewhere. So they started, they started at, at the house. And not only that, but, but the only, but well, my, you're, you're making a point that that's one of the reasons that it's a better film, but that doesn't make that, that you can't do that because, because Wes Craven didn't have that opportunity. He, he they, you, he only had one movie. So, like, he had to start somewhere. So he started there. So if had he made the sequel and then the sequel after that and the sequel after that, he could have built his, you know, Freddy can get you anywhere. But the only reason that the directors and the writers of Nightmare 3 were able to do that were because they built upon what West did. That's it. Yeah, but they went in a different direction than what was And that's great. And 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 I'm and I'm and I'm happy they did. But what I'm saying is we're comparing the original to 3. And so not only that they I'm did something is, they did something that Wes Craven also didn't do, which is where they they then set up the whole kind of lore about how when Freddy kills, it's not just he's killing, you know, Wes just had okay, he's killing for revenge. He's trying to get revenge against you know, the, the Elm Street parents. That was the original him. idea, yeah. yeah. And then sure. Russell and Darabont take it and they say, okay, and and they were doing it because they had to figure out a bit of a, a situation because, okay, we're going to have these kids have these dream powers. That's cool, great. But well, we know Freddy's going to beat them. You know, Freddy has to win in these encounters. So why is that happening? And then they're the ones that start the whole thing of, well, actually, he's collecting their souls. And with every soul he collects, he gets more powerful. And that's why when it gets to the end, when Kincaid tries to just go, like, hand-to-hand with him, Freddy just grabs him by the throat and lifts him up. And that's when he does the shirt tear. And there's all the faces in his oh my belly God. and everything. Oh, that's the other thing. In 3, when, he, when Heather Camp goes... Oh, uh, she stabs him, right? He has a hold of Kincaid. Yeah. And he's about to he's about to kill Kincaid and then um Nancy stat runs runs him through with like a I don't know, a pole or something. And then he just pulls it out of, you know, pulls it out and just kind of laughs and licks it. And uh she's like, "Oh my god, he's never been this strong before." And then he's like <laughs> he kind of stops and does this thing where like you know, I'm glad you noticed that. I am stronger. <laughs> isn't that isn't that crazy, you guys? Like, I'm totally stronger you than I was last it time. <laughs> I should, yeah, I'm so like I've been working really hard at, at at getting stronger. I've been working out and I've been practicing, and I'm just so glad that you noticed the improvement. 
Like Freddie just took a moment. It was just a weird, but it was an awkward. You talk about like, awkward moments. Like yeah. that was an awkward moment in the movie where you're like, he's like, yeah, yeah, the souls. Yeah, they give me my strength. No, I'm glad you you noticed that I'm stronger. Like I appreciate that. I appreciate you. Thank but, you. And they and they set that up. They actually set that up in a really spooky way because earlier in the film, when Kristen is one of in her like her first major dream, she encounters that little girl like on the tricycle. Yep. And, and then the little girl, you know, she's like, I got to go now. This is where he takes us. And then, like, Kristen sees, like, Freddy's, like, boiler room in the dream world. And it's, like, all the teenagers, like, hanging yeah. from yep. the, the ceiling. And it's, like, all... And then she she's, like, trying to save the little girl. And then she looks down, and the little girl's just a skeleton, you know. <laughs> right, which was a little... Well, actually, the funny part was that that was um, that was another situation. That was that was actually where the special effects team was a little too good because they actually created a little child, like an emaciated child doll. And yeah. when they were when they went to ask like Chuck Russell, like, well, okay, well, what like what do you want us to do? Like, how do you how do you want it to look? And he basically like sent them pictures of like people in Auschwitz and so the special effects guy made the little girl doll to look and it was probably too disturbing so they made him yeah when Chuck Russell saw it he looked he looked at like the other like his (laughs) they were like I we can't Ooh, film that. Bad idea. Yeah, we can't bad film idea. that. Bad idea. No, and so no. they ran out and they got like a little skeleton and kind of like <laughs> dirtied it up. <laughs> They're like, Just okay. rub some dirt on it real quick. <laughs> we need something. We need to get this shot done. Yeah. But that's yeah, the, that's so, the, the like, thing is that you know it's it's like. But they had and that's that's the other like I I I I kind of um, put that as kind of. One of the flaws of the movie uh, of three is that it does have those kind of moments where it's it's a little it's a little goofy. Like it just gets a little goofy at times, you know? Right? Well, I will I will say I the one one thing I will concede is the um, the tongue and that's why out, it's not the tongues yeah. flying out of the nurse's mouth. That's that's always been a, a bit of a problem. <laughs> but also yeah. three introduces hypnosil. Which actually, yes, which was used in Freddy vs. Jason, and it, but it, it's been used as an Easter egg in other films. Other filmmakers have mm-hmm. latched onto that and worked Hypnosil into their movies, right. and, you know, yeah. as like a little Easter egg, a little like, hey, I really yep. like that movie. There you go. <laughs> yeah, right. No, yeah, and that's that's again, that's cool. I again, I like the movie. <laughs> Oh, you know what I also hated, though? I know that Kristen's um, real power is that she can bring other people into right, dreams, right. Into her dream. That's her real power. Yeah. But but everybody else, like, uh, Taryn has the knives, and she's all dressed up and done up and stuff like that. And then you have the wizard master, and Kincaid can bend the chair and everything. And he's, like, super strong. And they're like, Kristen, what can you do? And I was like, flips? Fucking flips? You can... <laughs> She you turned... could do a cartwheel like who gives a shit it's like the, yeah the mary lou retton scene in Scrooge. Yeah, like what <laughs> that's your goddamn dream power it's a dream you can literally do anything you want and that's what that's what you picked 
That's not a power. That's just like a skill. You know? <laughs> so, I thought that was a little dumb. I, I know Kung Fu. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's, it's not even that. Like, just a flip. Uh, that's all she could do. She can't do anything else. She could just flip. Well, she, she basic. Okay. Okay. She used um, <laughs> her skill set is uh, similar to another little uh, 80s gem called Gymkata, <laughs> which is where the guy uses acrobatic martial arts. Like, oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> it's like I do flippity flips and then I kick you in the chest. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah, and that's what she did. She just like flipped and flipped and flipped, and then her feet landed on Freddie's chest and like flew back. It was so silly. It's, and you know, it's like you know, it's like some special effects guy with like two two like half legs on his arms. Yeah, he's just, and just he's just, just rams him in, the, in camera, into just smacking him in the chest with like fake legs. Oh, yeah, that, <laughs> yeah, no, that, but that that was that was kind of silly. So, like, again, this movie has, like, it's, it's a great movie, but it's, 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 it just has those really quirky, odd moments to it that just, you laugh out loud and you shouldn't be laughing at a, like, a real hard movie. So, again, like, you know, Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2, Halloween, well, Halloween 4 is not funny. Like that's a straight art movie, but this is is introducing again that that comedic part of it, and it just it it it's fun. It's so much fun, well, but, and I'm not. And again, I love it, but but it's not. So you can't say it's better than the original because the original is actually scary. I'm gonna ask you something though. So Ugh, okay, and, and this goes into you know I get it. There's there's some jokes. There's some levity. There's a lot of it. But would you ever say that how ha- uh, that Nightmare on Elm Street Part Three is a horror comedy? It's it gets it. Oh it. come on, come on! It does on. tease it. There's a lot of there's a lot of jokes in this movie. There's a lot of Freddy Freddy's starting to turn jokey jokes. You would never say it's a horror comedy. Okay, I won't say it's a horror <laughs> comedy, but it's not n- anywhere near as scary as the original. It just is. And and, that, and that's why it can never be as good or or better. Like it just can't be. It's not. It's just not that movie. And you you, know, you talked about some of the like you know kind of memorable lines and stuff earlier. I think Kincaid has one of the best lines. Let's go kick Which the motherfucker's one? ass all over Dreamland. <laughs> that's one of the best. Oh lines. yeah, yeah. He has a, he has quite a few lines. I'll tell you something. Um, Kincaid is actually for me. He's always one I of love the bright Kincaid. spots of the movie. Definitely. Like definitely. when he flips the fuck out on people. I was. Yeah. And that's how he it got was, the part. Right. Right. I heard that story. Yeah. yeah. Um, but um, yeah, I was sad that you know he they they killed him off in four. Because uh, he was a great character. Oh yeah, yeah. It's I think you know you could easily make the argument. Joey, that, Joey, you can kill off because he didn't. Yeah. You know, whatever. Yeah, but I mean, that was his 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 character. That's not fair. His character was mute, so he yeah. didn't talk <laughs> through the whole movie. So, yeah, that's not really his fault. But but Kincaid was was a a great character. So yeah. well, and as, as we learned from Halloween H two O, 
it's okay if somebody else lives. LL Cool J living at the end of Halloween H2O. Oh, is yeah, great. yeah. You don't have to, it doesn't have to come down to one person. Yeah. Like, you, you know, like it doesn't always have to come down to one person. I like that they did, they had a few people live. Like, you know, they had, right. you know, Kristen, Kincaid, Joey, they all lived, you know, and carried into the, into the fourth one in which they uh, subsequently died. And so now we, we've talked a little bit, my, my last two, I'm going to make two points to, to uh, round out my argument. Yeah. Cause it's two things that we've already discussed. I've already bit. rested my case. Like my <laughs> case is it's not, it's just, it's not as scary. And that's, I, I, you can't, there's no way to convince me otherwise. So, you know, make your last two points, but I'm not convinced. All right. So first of Love all, you though. this is the weaker point of the two. Yeah. It does much better service to the death of a beloved returning character than Halloween five did in that Nancy's death at the end, like means something like that. Yeah. They, they built that up and they did, they did service to her character as a returning character. <sighs> and, right. and you, you feel like the, the deaths in this one, because of the relationships that they set up between the kids, like the kids really do by the end of the movie feel like a team. Like in the in the first film, yes, the kills are effective, and but at most, like the only relationship you really see, like the only like kind of people that you come to care about are, you know, maybe the Nancy Glenn relationship. You see a lot more of them, and then like Nancy and her mom. But in three, they you really do have this feeling of them coming together as a team by the end. Like and and they show they show in these ways like through the film like yes they get into their like group sessions and they argue and things like that but then when Joey is on the tower and he's in danger all the kids are coming into that room trying to wake him up trying to keep him from from dying and then you see you keep seeing that you keep seeing that throughout the movie like. Uh, you know, when, uh, they're all, wait, not Joe, not Joey or not. I'm sorry. Joe. Not Joey. I forget what the, the, the kid, the first, the first kid name is. Yeah. The first, yeah, kid, the, yeah. the puppeteer. Let's call kid. him first kid. First kid. Let's, let's call him meat puppet. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Let's call him meat puppet. Hey, when meat puppet fights it off the tower. <laughs> Good old meat puppet. Good old meat puppet. <laughs> But uh, and then you know when you they're going into the dream, the shared dream, and they're they're showing off their abilities and everything. And then later on, when Kristen gets put in the quiet room, and they're all they, they all you know get they they're I trying get to get sucked it, into her dream. Sure. And so it there comes a point where the the kills begin to mean more. So does that make you feel all warm and fuzzy inside? Or? Well, the kill the kills begin to mean more, and that's one of the things that we always talk about in the better horror films is that you actually begin to care about the characters. You want to see them win. You want to see each of the dream warriors succeed. You know they're not. You there's, know... there's more, there's more, but there's more of them in this movie. So well, it was yeah. really just Rod, Tina, and Glenn. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> Rod, you could give two shits when he dies. <laughs> but that's not true. Because they... So Wes Craven, so he comes off obviously as the tough guy right 
he tackles Glenn and he's, you know, um, uh, kind of up your nose um, with a rubber hose. <laughs> right. He's, he's just like overbearing. He's like a, you know, he's kind of a bit of a bully as at least that's what you think. And then he's in bed with Tina and they're talking about the nightmares. And he says, well, after they have sex, he said, uh, no more fights. Um, and she, she said, yeah, no more fights. And he goes, good. No more nightmares for either one of us. And she's like, you're having nightmares too. And they, they go back and forth, but they kind of, they, they soften him a little bit there. So, (laughs) well, yeah, yeah, that's, that's right. So they soften him. (laughs) What? And then when, um, Nancy goes to see him in the jail, and they have that conversation, and then you know he's he's talking about his nightmare, and he's talking about Freddie. You you know you start to feel for him too, because again he's just a kid, you know. So he's got the leather jacket, and he's a tough guy, and all that. But you know he's still just a kid. I'm totally um, okay with him dying. <laughs> well, you're just you're just a bastard. <laughs> but no, but but but. And then Glenn, uh, you know, you care about him, um, you know, as Nancy's boyfriend. Um, who who wants to see Johnny Depp die? Not me. Yeah, he's got he's got Kennergy. <laughs> he's just so, a, you just want to. He just he's just so nice to look at. That's a new that's a new word that I just learned today after the Barbie movie went big. The the Kennergy. He's got, yeah. he's got good energy. He, I, in the in the eighties. Oh my god, I had the biggest crush on Johnny Depp. Right now. Oh my god, oh. he's I- so gorgeous. But now he's all weird because he <laughs> wears the big. He wears the big like he wears the hat from Curious George. <laughs> you know, he wears the yellow kind, the yellow hat. Like he's and- wearing that shit around. He's got like he's got like the Gomez Adams freaking uh, mustache and. And you know, he he's got 80, 87 rings on, and I'm like, dude, what? And, and he, he talks randomly, with a British accent. Yeah, he randomly yeah. just like shows up as Captain Jack Sparrow still at places. <laughs> Which is fine because I'd love for him to show up. Oh at yeah, my work it's him and, having uh, fun. You know, he's just yeah, trying absolutely. to have fun and yeah. and you know. Make but I just laugh. mean he kind of got he kind of got a little gross. <laughs> I love him, he's a you know, gross and I'm. Now. I'm I'm glad he was innocent, you know, and, and all, of, all of that. But he's a little <laughs> gross now. Um, but back then, back in the '80s, 21 Jump Street, Johnny Depp. Oh my God! You know, I don't want to make this podcast about Johnny Depp. But... <laughs> that's, a, that's a whole different podcast. That's a whole different podcast. That's my. If you want to tune in to my Johnny Depp podcast, <laughs> I, I call it. I call it Johnny Depp Throat. <laughs> <laughs> on this episode of Johnny Depp Throat. Oh my god. We're gonna oh talk boy. about twenty one jump street. <laughs> episode nineteen. Yep. So my my last my last major point before I close my argument is one of the reasons that I do like this one better than the first one is whereas the first one tried to do the, the, 
the twist ending, you know, and yes, it was a, a compromise between Wes Craven and Bob Shea. Bob Shea thought, you know, hey, we we had I because he was looking at it, he was looking at the the film and the dailies and everything, and he's like, I think we have like an opportunity here to have a sequel. Whereas Wes Craven, like, he didn't think so, and and to his chagrin, well, he's like, I don't think this is going to be as big as you think it is. And New Line was struggling financially at that time. Yeah, this was like, their they big were play. they were they were banking on this movie. He kind of put every dime in, in, in and he he really gambled his entire business on this movie. I think he mortgaged so I his get house. It. I think he mortgaged his yeah, house. Oh, yeah, oh yeah. Like he gave out he he put everything he had into and he banked on the su- success of this movie. So when he saw an opportunity for a franchise, I get it. But that's but you could have done it anyway. You didn't need the, the you didn't need the mannequin through the fucking window. Like <laughs> well, you didn't so need here's... to do that. So the whole thing where Wes Craven was just going to have the girls doing the jump rope that end it there, and you have your opening. Yes, yeah, so it, it would have been a you, it would have been a yeah. Wes Craven's ending would have been a creepier, more effective you, you, ending. Exactly, and you had your opening for the sequel. Like you had, you know, like. People were like, "Oh, okay, he's not—he's not really dead. Like the girls are there, jump rope, so he's—you know—he's still around." But so, so here's my thing. So you have that, you have that, and they—they they tag tack on this like little, uh, you know, he wants to do this little hook, this little twist ending. Oh, you think it's over? It was all a dream. Here's all her friends. Her mom is like, you know, I think I think I really am going to stop drinking and and all this kind of stuff, and everything seems Which... great. Can I, I have to just, can I just pause right there? <laughs> I used to hate that acting performance. Like I used to think it was so over the top, but now I have so come to it. I know now I know what she was doing. Yeah. You know what she's I mean? A like, drunk. She's she, right, like, she, like, she actually played it brilliantly. The actress who played because yeah, she's supposed the, to be the, like stone twenty four seven. Right, right, right. So um, she was just um, she was just fantastic, and she was a bright. She's a bright spot in the movie. So you know, I the kids, you know, in, in three are great, but she's a great supporting character. Oh yeah, um, and, and Wes Craven, you know, he he liked the fact that he had her. I I wish I remembered her name, but he had her and he had John Saxon. You know, and he was like, oh, okay, you know, like he, he felt like he kind of made out with having those those two in the film. Um, right. Which, on a side note, uh, the story that Wes Craven has of John Saxon is great, where he met with John Saxon the first time uh, to, for the first day of shooting or whatever. And John Saxon comes shows up with like he's got a little case, like a little box, and it's yep. got all his toupees in it. And he's he's pull starts pulling them out, and he's like, "So what? Like, what what kind of look do you want to go for with uh, this character?" He, and he's like, "I could do this." And he's like, he's like showing him, like he's trying on his toupees for like Wes Craven, like like this is more like he a little more virile, but this is more like middle aged dad, you know. And like <laughs> he had Wes Craven pick his the toupee he was gonna wear for the film. That was great. Oh my god! But anyway, so. Uh- so my whole Ronnie point, Blakely is her name. Ronnie Blakely, yep. So my whole point is that so you have that and and they have the little twist and everything and you know Bob Shea had his input and so it was haphazard. The twist that 
Chuck Russell produces towards the end. It's not at the very end. It's not like a, you know, a, a footnote, you know. The twist that he works into that ending is so much better and so much more effective and it fakes you out. It actually fakes you out. When John Saxon, because we've, we've just seen John Saxon get killed by the Ray Harryhausen Freddy skeleton in the junkyard, <laughs> yep. right? So, yep. so then they're like, we're back in the dream world. They've just done this thing where Joey finally found his power. He does the scream, and they all come flying out of the mirrors that Freddy was trying to pull them all into. And... They get in, the the door opens at the end of the hallway, so they feel like we can finally get out. He's been, you know, we're we're defeating him. And they think that that the other doctor and and John Saxon's character, they they think they, oh, they've succeeded. They put the Mm. bones to rest and, and they've succeeded. It's over. And they're getting ready to, like, come out of the dream. They're gonna, like, exit the dream. And... All of a sudden, here comes like there. There's like this light show, and here come and there's John Saxon. Oh, John Saxon, yep. And, and, then, and like, it's Freddie. And he's, well, well, right. but that's yeah. the thing is when John Saxon shows up, and you're watching that film, like it. It's not tropey in the sense that like you immediately are like, oh, he's going to turn into Freddie. Like you actually believe I... uh, this is from a guy who has seen the movie multiple times. That that moment, you actually believe that her dad, like his spirit, he's shown up to say goodbye to his daughter, and then they have, then it's revealed that all of a sudden there's a little turnaround, a little, and then he's Freddy and he kills Nancy. He uses that was her dad. certainly the intention. He that was uses the intention. Her sure. dad. Yeah, and and the you know death of her father and like oh I'm gonna appear. To, to to and it completely disarms her, and he uses her her love for her father to fucking end Nancy, and that is a much better twist than the twist at the end of the first film. <laughs> well, yeah, because it was it was written and not tacked on. What, well, but. That but you had we're taking yeah, the films as they uh, as are. As they are. As they are. Okay. I know. You're right. Okay. I give you that. Um The end of that film is, is I much like better. the but I like the way that he died in the original before the tacked on ending. I like the, the ending where she's just like she sets the she home alones, you know, Freddie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she, puts, she sets up the micro machines at the bottom that's of the all stairs. home alone is it's, it's just a it's just a knockoff of nightmare on elm street <laughs> it's yeah it's nightmare on elm street only freddie is joe pesci and daniel right, Stern. Right, right exactly so but she she so she home home alones him and um and he rises up out of the you know comes up out of the bed which is a great shot and he claws his way out of the sheet and he comes down and he's about to get her and she just calmly turns her back and it's like i just take away all the strength i've ever given you which was set up by glenn who was talking about you know um she was reading self-defense tactics and stuff like that and they were talking about you know defending themselves in their dreams and stuff like that and he had 
talked about, um, you know, this belief that if you um, encounter, I forget how he characterized it, but if you just take away its strength, if you stop believing in it, then it just yeah, it's like some it takes Tibetan away its strength and it dies, thing. right? Yeah, right, right, right. That's kind of right, exactly. Um, so, and then she uses that at the end, and like he, as he's you know trying to get her, like he just disappears. He just fades into nothing because she no longer believes in him. Yeah, she turns and it back, just and kind he's of just like, like eh. yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, he just kind of he's like ah, you know, and he disappears into and he nothing. He turns into starlight. <laughs> right <laughs> but oh in this one where he spins around and light shoots out well of but see here's the thing so chuck russell uh-huh. okay yeah you yeah you you know the 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 image that people are left ah! with is him like spinning around and the light bursting out but yeah. the whole idea is like because that's how he does chuck, chuck russell you know he watched that ending and he's like you know i know what wes was going for and and obviously wes is a great writer and director he's like i'm not knocking him but He's like, it's kind of this like, you know, sort of vague, like, oh, I just don't, I'm going to turn my back on you and I don't believe in you. And then he just, just disappears. And Chuck Russell was like, you know, I, the way he viewed Freddie, which is the way that a lot of people from our generation came to like Freddie, Jason, Michael Myers, they were like the new Dracula, Frankenstein, Wolfman. Right. They were the universal monsters. Yeah. Part two. Yeah, the eighty of the eighties generation, you know, yeah, there, there are, there are big three, and so Chuck Russell was like, you know, I want to treat him like that, like that sort of legendary level of villain, and he's like, and I always loved the Universal and the Hammer Horror films and everything, and so that's why he was like, well, you know, obviously we're doing a third movie, so obviously you can't just turn your back on Freddy. Obviously, he let Nancy think she won. And so, because we're in a third movie. But he just changed, right, okay. So yeah, we're in a th- if, we're, if we're in a third movie, that means yeah. Freddie fucked with Nancy and just let her think she won. But they, but take you gotta take A Nightmare on Elm Street as its own isolated, like, you know, piece here. Like, you know, he just took what West did again and just changed well, the story. Well, no, but so what he does is that's the whole idea. Then you got it. You actually have to put his bones to rest. You actually have to bury him. You have to douse him with the holy water, lay the, the crucifix. But all I'm and, saying is and, they had to come up him. with another way for him to die because they had to have him live in the movie so he could do all this fun killing and stuff for the audience and then die. So like they had to figure out another way for him to die. So yes, now you have to bury him. And then that didn't work because guess fucking what, Kyle? He comes back and forward, dumbass. And all those bones come right back together. And he comes out and he goes, hmm, you shouldn't have buried me. I'm not dead. <laughs> right? Brad, are you getting and angry? Then that are you getting upset? And then, well, well, what I'm saying... No, I'm not getting upset. Don't, don't say that. I'm not getting upset. But I'm I'm just saying that, you know, he... A court, okay, yeah. So what? So, yeah, you can't just turn your back on him. Okay, because why? Why did they have to write that into the story? Because they had to figure out another way for him to die. Okay? They do the same thing in four. And what the does same it thing do? Five, what does that do? Same thing in Freddy versus Jason. The same thing in a new nightmare. 
in every Freddy movie, in every Jason movie, in every Michael movie. Every movie, they have to figure out how they're going to kill the dude. But until he comes back in the next one. But in in the in the the death scene in Chuck Russell's film in the third film, that is what sets Freddy up into that like oh he is like one of these legendary monsters. He is one of these things that you have to bury and put to rest. But again, and... you're talking about something that you're talking about an opportunity that Wes Craven didn't have. He made a movie. He made an he isolated did... no, movie. He, he did have an opportunity to do certain things. He chose to have to do this Tibetan Buddhist thing where she turns her back and he just fades away. And you know, yeah. and and it's it's an isolated story. Like it's a story in of itself and in of itself, it was a great ending. What, what you're talking about is okay. How did he die in the first one? Well, he died because Nancy turned his back. Okay. Well, obviously he had to, how did he die in the second one? Okay. Well that didn't work. Okay. So now because they went through a whole thing in the second one, right? They had to go back to the, uh, what the hell was that thing? It was, it was like giant a fact. It was like a an abandoned a foundry. factory. It was like a foundry, foundry right? And sure, she sets and they had on fire. The, and sure, right. So they had to do that, and then that didn't work. And then how do you kill him now? Well, okay, yeah. Now you have to bury his bones. Okay, well that didn't work because it comes back in the fourth one. So now you have to, you have to kill him, and now you have to set him on fire. Okay, well we did that. And then All right, that, wait, that didn't well, here's work. what here's here's what it boils down to. This bread. <laughs> Burying him and sprinkling and spraying him with holy water and putting a crucifix it's in there. Stupid is way better uh, oh, than turning water. your back. Oh and my he fades god, away. they just stole that from like Dracula. <laughs> They're like, okay, I don't know, holy water. Like, I, lo- I, I love the first Freddy film, I love the first film, but I've always thought that just turning your uh, back on him was a weak ass ending. <laughs> I, I think you're wrong. I think it's a beautiful way for it to end. <laughs> I think it's much better I think than the opposite crap. of you. I... <laughs> That's what every one of our arguments boils disagree. down to. Yeah. I think well, the opposite. I <laughs> yeah, I think the opposite. We're just going to have to disagree. Um, I, you, I have obviously not convinced you, and you obviously have not convinced me. So we're just going to, I don't know. On to the next argument. We'll I just guess. we'll just have to just agree that you're wrong and just move on. <laughs> oh, stop it! All right. There's other argument. There's other things we have to discuss. So, and we might as well do it on the podcast. My problem, my major problem, and Sean, if you're listening, Sean's major problem with you and not having Evil Dead uh, Two and Army of Darkness in your top twenty. <laughs> Hey, well, hey, you know, just, just too many jokes. He, they just made too many jokes in those movies, so I can't. Great. I so can't you made say... my argument for me. Thank you. Good night. <laughs> Thank you for listening. <laughs> too bad you don't have the button. <laughs> Yay! I win. Hey, you know, hey, it's, it's good for the goose. <laughs> So all I'm saying is that um, the original is just a scarier movie to me. And I know it's, you know, maybe that's not how you're judging this. You're like, 
I went, I went, I had my notes and everything. And, 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 you know, the Nancy thing was probably the deepest I went. You just deep dove into this like <laughs> hard. And I appreciate that, which I, I do appreciate. I'm watching the, uh, the John Saxon uh, float down right now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so no, I, 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 I appreciate your passion and, and like, I, man, you really, you really like developed your argument. You like, you come with like a whole like thesis. So um, I appreciate that. But, what it really comes down to for me is it comes down to their horror movies, right? You said it yourself. You wouldn't ask me, Brad, you wouldn't consider this a horror comedy. Okay, fine. Then they're both horror movies. And if they're both horror movies, then which is the scarier one? Because that's how you rate horror movies, right? So the original is scarier. For me. And maybe, maybe three is scarier for you. But the original is scarier. It just is. Yeah, it's, um, it's uh, you know what, Brad? I'm going to concede. It's scarier. It's a scarier lesser film. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> You're such a douchebag. Yeah. All right, it's, fine. It's it's a scare. Oh, it's here a, we go. Oh, ashes <laughs> to ashes, dust to dust. <laughs> to hell with you. <laughs> and that's what I'm doing with your argument: ashes to ashes, dust to dust. Oh my god! Oh, I declare so victory. And and what whatever. <laughs> so can I ask you? Is is um, and I I never looked into it because I'm sure there's uh, like we could just look at IMDb, but you never hear again about the doctor. Um, right. He right? never. So. Yeah. But he was the one. So he was the one that did work, right? He's he's works at. Is this supposed to be Weston Hills, right? Uh, is it? I is don't it? Think, I don't think it is. Oh well, why? Why don't you think it is? I just don't think it is. But I, I don't. You just I, I don't remember. I'd have it? to go back and and no, I don't know. Okay, so is that or do they ever tell you? And I think, so I think they show an Freddy outside versus, shot of the the hospital at one point. My. My point is, is that I'm sure there's a, and again, there's, there's, we could just go on IMDb and see different character names. So it probably isn't, but it would have been cool. And it might be the truth. I don't know. It would have been cool if he was the dad in Freddy versus Jason and the daughter, because he, he was the doctor at Weston Hills and he all, he was prescribing hypnosil. So pushing hypnosil. That might have been what and they had in mind. They, it might not actually be the same quote unquote character, but maybe that's yeah. kind of what they had in mind of who. But that wouldn't is. that have been a more interesting angle? Oh, like yeah. so you so instead of the dad coming off as like this like just terrible father, like he comes off more like you're like wow, I I know where this dude's coming from because of well, all the shit he went through in three. Like now he's this overprotective father. And like he's 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 spiking it's his out, daughter's it's out drinks of, with hypnosil it's because out he's of definitely like afraid actual, of Freddie. Yeah, it's yeah. Out, he out knows Freddie's going to come after him and his daughter, so he's like trying to you know feed her hypnosil. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a I think that's a great like you know I think one thing people learn when listening to this uh, podcast is you know we love to come up with our own fan theories and rewrite movies the way 
you know we would love for them to have been sure right um yep. but no yeah i think i think that would have uh definitely created a, a different and a more interesting tone for yep. that story that relationship in freddie versus right. jason if yes yep. like sh- maybe she th- she thinks like she grows up thinking he's just like this asshole bad guy but then mm-hmm. like at later on in the film you find out you, re- oh, no. you find out really oh, no. he's now. that doctor and right. oh shit he's actually this is like his version of trying to take care of her like right. he's actually protector right yeah, yeah none of this has been because he's some vile evil asshole it's yeah. just he's gone too far in thinking i'm going to make sure that freddie never comes back right yeah, I don't want anyone to ever go through this again. It would have tied. I mean, they do it a little bit because he like that's how her mom died, right? Her mom died because Freddie killed her mom. Yeah. So like, and he was trying to. So to an extent, he was trying to protect her. I thought it would have been cool if he just would have been that same character because he was evil. Like he was that asshole kind of yeah. throughout most of the movie, and you just would it would have added. Uh, an understanding to the audience. It would have added depth and it would have been a cool tie to the original line of, you know, the yeah. original series. So I just thought they maybe missed an opportunity if that's not the case like, yeah. or what they were trying to do. So, yeah. And, yeah, and the, the, go back and the last look. thing I will, I will definitely consider. <laughs> we, we touched on this earlier. It, mm-hmm. I do wish that either, Chuck Russell had a little more budget or a little more time. It would have been, and that's my one, my one, if I, if I've ever found like one giant flaw in the film in, in, in part three, it's that they did not just like we talked about with the wizard master, they didn't hmm. spend enough time with the kids and their powers. They didn't give them any wins. Yeah. Like it, it wasn't even like close. Like they didn't, no, it wasn't even close. They died. They all died immediately. Yeah, like, yeah it wasn't they just, even, like it, they're. It was these, like, like it didn't matter that Taryn had the the knives. Yeah, it, it was didn't these, matter like, that the kid had two shot fire bolts from his hands. He just, Freddie dispatched him like, you know, very quickly. So, yeah, yeah. So I, I think, I think if, um, you know, if I could have my choice of like, you know, if they were to remake or somehow revise the film, like give them more time give them like actually make the wizard master like whoop some ass actually make yeah. Taryn whoop some ass you call the movie dream warriors you give them these like cool dream powers and they just they don't i mean with the like kincaid and joey um you know and joey's dream warrior power you know um yeah his actually worked like, the most and effective. His, <laughs> his was the most effective but um, but Taryn and, and the, the kid in the wheelchair, I, I just felt like it was kind of wasted. It was, you know, they, they were just too quick. The, the, the deaths were too quick. Yeah. Um, they didn't really put up much of a fight and it was just kind of a waste because you had like, you know, again, the kid in the wheelchair had the opportunity to have the coolest, you know, kind of powers of all of them. Yeah. Cause he had the wizard powers and everything. Um, but they didn't use them. So it was just kind of a letdown. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's, that's the, that's the one part that I really wish they had, um, devoted a little more time to. 
Yeah. Know? Or even yeah. if you had, like, it doesn't even have to be during the fights. It could have been, like, some other scene or something where, you know, they get to show off these things that they could they could, they could do. And so you're really anticipating they're going to go into these fights and really, like, give it to them. And then it's just like, right. oh, he's just too powerful. You know, he's just too powerful now. <laughs> ah, 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 my my working legs and my wizard hands didn't do shit. Uh. <laughs> ah, ah, ah. But I don't understand. And the the thing that I just can't stand is that it's the old, you know. Um, I think it happens in Jason Takes Manhattan when the guy, the robber, tries to shoot Jason. Yeah, uh, the 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 street guy tries to shoot jason and and the the bullets go direct like hit jason directly in the chest and it doesn't stop him so he throws you know oh, yeah, the, he does the, the gun super, at superman and, like and the, he the runs up superman. closer to, and then yeah right and so like this kid kind of does the same stupid stuff so like he shoots the uh, the lightning the green lightning out of his hands and it hits freddy and it's not killing him right away, so he decide he immediately runs. Yeah, like he just ru- he just bolts right at Freddy, and I'm like, what, "What? You're just jumping into his arms and going kill me." Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, why would you do that? Why wouldn't you just stay at the safe distance and just hit him with the green lightning until he disappears or whatever? Brad, 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 they're yeah, they're, they're eldritch blasts. <laughs> You gotta, you gotta get up with your Dungeons and Dragons. They're what? Oh God! Oh my God! <laughs> no, I will, I will not. I will not. I'm too old. Uh, actually, no, I, I'm not I, don't, gonna get I don't know that wizards can actually use Eldritch Blasts. I don't know if that's part of the uh, agreed upon. <sighs> this is just <laughs> podcast is just taking a nosedive. So, well, all right. Just well, that was off a, the cliff. That was, I think. Are we gonna end there? We're gonna end on Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> great, great. Oh, what a great way to end the podcast! Bravo, Kyle. Bravo. Bravo. Well, well, I think we've, I think we've exhausted. I think we've beat this dead horse. <laughs> we we beat this. Uh, yeah, we definitely beat it into the ground. And the great thing is, we've beat it into the ground with no resolution whatsoever. <laughs> so it's just a complete waste of what seems like now two hours. <laughs> well, you know, I'm mean, just yelling at each other over, <laughs> over these two movies while, 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 while just, just sneaking in there that we love them. This we is love the, these movies. This is the but podcast we, version of watching two old men yell at each other on a park. Oh, God, grumpy old men <laughs> like Walter Matthau. It's, yeah. I love right. I love tuna fish. Yeah, I love no, I love coal. <laughs> <laughs> Do yourself a favor, pull your lip over your head and swallow. <laughs> so uh, I think that'll that'll wrap up this uh, very first edition of uh, Crossfire no, Nosferatu dudes Crossfire. Yep, and and you'll find uh, most of these are probably going to end with us not. <laughs> Not agreeing on much. Not agreeing, no. But this so is the next uh, one we're gonna do is is the top twenty with the with you not having Evil Dead in the top twenty. 
<laughs> but I, I think for our next episode, we want to do Chopping Mall, right? We want to. We definitely we have to get to Chopping Mall, of course. Yeah. yeah. So yep. so look forward to our next episode where we're gonna we're gonna talk about uh, a a classic slasher film of the eighties. <laughs> <laughs> That was well. What was marketed as a slasher film, and then not mm, not not quite a slash, not quite a slasher, but a gem nonetheless. Oh yeah, yeah, um, it's absolutely a, fantastic. A, a wonderful movie, um, and Barbara Crampton. So yeah, yeah, definitely. All right. So on that note, uh, I'm Kyle. I'm Brad. We're the Nosferatu dudes, and remember the co- the broadcast is coming from inside the house. Yeah, I fucked it up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I fucked up. I done, I done, fucked it up.